Hello, and welcome to another Sports Next Door podcast. My name is Owen. Today is Thursday, November 18th, and I'm joined, as I always am, by my neighbor Max. How's it going, my friend? Doing well. Just 48 hours since our last broadcast, so not much has changed since then, honestly, but it's good to be good. What can I say? Yeah, we are pumping out pods this week. It's going to be, what, four and seven days by the time we hit Sunday. Prolific uh, podcast production, my friend. <laughs> oh, nice alliteration there, my man. Yeah, we're making up for lost time uh, after the hiatus last week. Um, and yeah, folks are going to hear a lot of us if, if, if you're following us and staying on top of the feed. And uh, let us know what you think of the NBA check-in. And then uh, we'll have our NHL check-in on Sunday for you, which will be a bit of a longer pod, so even more content to put out there. But this one, nice and short and sweet, though we get to talk about one of the biggest Canadian sporting events in recent history, uh, depending how they do in the FIFA Cup, maybe we'll all forget about it in a year, I'm not sure. But it seems crazy that Canada scored that win over Mexico on the week during the week, my friend. I know you can't wait to talk about it. Oh, yes. It was special. And... First, it has to be said that this men's team, very exciting as they are, still nowhere close to the quality of our women's national team. That has to do with some of the competition that both teams face, but it is nice to see that our program as a whole is starting to develop and both teams are seeing success. And what a culmination of years and development and prospects put in. Canada gets their first win against Mexico since 1976. And it was absolute scenes in Edmonton, the latest Canada has ever played on a calendar year. And the first time they played in Edmonton as late as now. And I read a really interesting article on Sportsnet. I forget who wrote it uh, today that Canada has arrived on the scene is not just a solid soccer team, uh, in the CONCACAF qualifying, but also a nation that has started to embrace the whole idea of CONCACAFing or making teams become CONCACAF. And so, Max, I don't know how familiar you are with soccer, but when you go to opposing teams' countries to play in their stadiums, it is hostile, uh, would be a great word for it. You do not sleep the whole night. Fans play music and yell in the streets and knock on your doors Um, in Honduras and El Salvador. Players have talked about their bags being stolen off of the carousels at airports. Um, They take you to the wrong hotel. They don't let you practice on their pitch because for some reason there's another event going on. They just, they really bite down on opposing teams and it is not fun to travel and play in other CONCACAF nations. And so Canada embracing that off-the-pitch attitude. Um, Lots of activity late night Monday in Edmonton. Uh, Things are bumping outside the Mexican hotel. And then uh, with the amount of snow that came down in Edmonton was a big story going into it. Mexico could not practice two days prior. Uh, First of all, there was a kids team playing on, on Commonwealth Stadium. Really important. Can't give up the kids' time. And then the second day, oh, no, there's too much snow. What a bummer. 
So feeding right into that, uh, playing on that hostile environment that other teams have served up previously. And the snow was a big one. Everyone talking about how Mexican players and just anyone really have south of the U.S. haven't played in snow in a very, very long time. A lot of Canada's players probably haven't either, but there is that almost genetic um, advantage there and also having a couple more weeks to get ready for the inclement weather. Yeah, it was just a surreal sight all night to look and see snowbanks across from where these players were kicking the ball. And at least for the Canadian players, that sight, that feeling, that bite in the air, all things they experience every winter, uh, depending where exactly on the latitude of Canada they are. Uh, just less of shock adaption there. I'll still never forget my first year of university back when everyone had Snapchat and you see the stories across the day of the first snowfall, all of those stories, you get the preview in that window, just white circles. So many people from south of the border had just never seen snow on the ground in such quantities. I'm sure a good chunk of the Mexican team and as the visiting teams from South America have to deal with that. Yeah. So let's get into the game, shall we? Uh, a lot of talk about it leading up, but the first half, I think it really was a factor. The cold is about negative 10 degrees Celsius. That is cold. Yeah. And uh, Canada was the more dominant team in that first 45 minutes, uh, controlled a fair amount of possession, but just had a lot more attacking opportunities in, in the first half. Um, and really, you can see the difference of this team where the quality lies on this squad. The defense is shaky, but if they can move the ball up to the midfield and up to the forwards, Alfonso Davies, Stacchio, Atacube, Larea were all fantastic tonight. And then, of course, Kyle Laren, Orlando City FC, shout out. Um, that's where he grew in, in the MLS system and now playing overseas. Two goals. And the first one being a bit of a gift from Ochoa, who I'm surprised is still playing at the international level. It seems like many, many years ago when he stole the show for Mexico, I think it might have been the 2010 World Cup. Uh, so he's been around for a while now and gives up a juicy rebound. Laren pots it. They go crazy. And then the second half early off a beautiful free kick by Estacchio taps it by the keeper again, his second goal of the match and Atacube with the incredible dolphin dive into the snow and the boys selling in the snow was fantastic. The sights were incredible. And after a relatively shaky final 10 minutes where they give up a goal and have a game saving save by a uh, Borean, they were, they pull out the victory and they now sit atop of the CONCACAF qualifying uh, table, the number one seed with 16 points, the U S at 15 and then Mexico and Panama tied with 14 points tied for that third spot, still six games left to go in qualifying. And it's relatively tight there, but this is a huge result for them uh, as they head into a pretty tricky next qualifying window in January, where they have to go on the road to, Honduras, then come home for the U.S. and then back on the road for El Salvador in, in about a week uh, time total. So that will be a tough one, but they put themselves in an incredible position to close this out and grab one of those three spots to make the World Cup. Yeah, and shoot for the stars 
end up on the moon might be the right adage here. Now the conversation about this team as the first place team in CONCACAF and their odds probabilities of doing that. If they misstep, stumble along the way and end up falling into second, third place, um, you push the discourse back to three, four months ago, heading into this qualifying round robin. And that would have been a tremendous result for Team Canada. So just a really fantastic spot to be in. Uh, man, that last 10 minutes was crazy. I, You pestering me over text, reminding me about the power of the surfing the <laughs> web, sailing the seas, as some say. Yeah. Uh, I caught the last 20-ish minutes, I think, and it felt like they were doing such a good job defending, and then Mexico just flipped a switch. It felt like every time they kicked the ball in, they were recovering really it and that much closer to just anything on net where it seemed like anything could go in after that header out of nowhere. Uh, <laughs> we were texting a bit about the stress. That Mexican team was so on edge and watching the clock run for me was such a hectic, entertaining experience. Yeah, and a lot of emotion shown by the Mexicans who lost in the U.S. and then in Canada. Really tough week for them, dropping all six potential points. Emotions boiled over. And of course, Richie Larea right in the center of it all. Um, pretty heated argument there, but the Canadians turn around and go celebrate with the fans. That is the sweetest way to uh, end that conflict. And an underrated storyline is that Mexico has been the first, like the top dog in CONCACAF for decades. They actually are in a pretty precarious position tied for Panama in that third spot in qualifying because Due to some homophobic chants by their fans, they will be without fans for their next two home games, which could be a huge, huge uh, loss of an advantage for them playing at home. And teams could end up stealing points from them. So they are they're in a struggle spot right now with two losses that maybe were unexpected and a pretty formidable foe in CONCACAF could have a chance to drop out and that would be a shocking result uh, for such a high-class team. But anyways, we will wait eagerly. Uh, it's a long time between windows, uh, about two months now until Canada's next game, but uh, in a great spot and excited to see where that takes us next. We're going to slide over to the other portion of the football fan cave in the NFL. And I just have a couple games to preview for this Sunday, really great slate of games for the first time in a while. Unfortunately, nine of them sit in the one o'clock time slot. I don't know why they don't disperse the games more evenly throughout the day, but a lot of games to keep track of in this early window on Sunday. And I'm just going to run through. I have four here that I wanted to touch on briefly. First of which, the Indianapolis Colts and the Buffalo Bills. The Bills have played a relatively weak strength of schedule so far this season, so they are going to get a bit of a better test in Indianapolis. Um, and this is kind of time for the Bills to really reestablish themselves. The beating the Jets by a lot, not that impressive. And after they lost the Jaguars, team, people are looking for them to get a bit of a signature win. And that could come this week. The big thing in this game is will Buffalo bring out the full playbook, have more running with Josh Allen, spread the ball out to many of their different receivers. Uh, and will they be able to stop Jonathan Taylor, who has now t 
tied Derrick Henry for the league league in rushing yards. Uh, took him a couple of weeks to catch up to Henry, who's been injured, but uh, he is now the, basically the top dog in the rushing race, and Indy is not afraid to pound the rock. So that'll be a key matchup there to see if the Bills can stop the run. We move over to the NFC North, a divisional game, a classic between the Packers and the Vikings. This is a potential trap game for Green Bay coming off a big win against Seattle. They've been rolling uh, and Aaron Rodgers is back from COVID ready to work. Um, But this game is not going to be as exciting in my opinion, as everyone hopes it will be both teams that love to run the ball uh, with the Packers, of course, Aaron Jones and AJ Dillon, two great options. And then on the other side, Dalvin cook and, uh, and Madison for the Vikings. So I, I see a relatively low scoring game with a lot of time chewed up by both teams running the ball. And uh, obviously those divisional games always end up scoring lower than you think they're going to uh, Minnesota won one of these games last year against Green Bay in shocking fashion. And I think they have the potential to do it again, but I wouldn't bet on it. <laughs> Uh, The marquee matchup that everyone's had circled for a long time now, the Dallas Cowboys and the Kansas City Chiefs. Um, This is just going to draw the largest number of eyeballs. I think it's going to be a pretty explosive game with points galore. Uh, Despite Kansas City struggles, they've still been near the top of the league in offensive production, and Dallas is basically unstoppable. They now have Michael Gallup back in the lineup, so that gives their ops their offense, just an unlimited amount of options. Now with Cooper Gallup, CD lamb, Dalton Schultz, Blake Jarwin, Ezekiel Elliott, Tony Pollard. Um, they're just stacked at each position and they can attack you in multiple different ways. And I'll look for them. Uh, Kansas city, Legereus need great slot corner. Uh, you'll look for Dallas to really attack the outside with Amari Cooper and Michael Gallup, who's now back, which is good news for me. Cause I have Cooper in fantasy. <laughs> We move on to another divisional matchup in the NFC, the Arizona Cardinals and Seattle Seahawks. The biggest story of this game is the health status of both Kyler Murray and Russell Wilson. Wilson did not look great in his first week back last week. Didn't put up a single point against Packers. Um, Hopefully he's just shaking off the rust and will be better this week against a talented Arizona defense, but really unsure um, about what that's going to look like. And then Kyler Murray, Again, in questionable if he's going to play this week, especially with Arizona having a bye week next week. So you could just get him two weeks of rest for free already. And they're in a decent position to make sure everyone's healthy after the bye week to make that closeout run to the playoffs. So um, if I were Arizona, I probably wouldn't play them, but it is an important week to get a divisional win. So we shall see what happens there. If both quarterbacks are playing, uh, I would go with Arizona in this one. The last bit here, um, not much to say about Vegas and Cincy, but just a look at the AFC as a whole. Um, The AFC West and the AFC North are playing each other, and those are kind of the two strongest divisions in that conference. So it looks like right now the seventh seed in the AFC could be like eight and nine. Uh, So really, it's it's anyone's game. I was talking with a buddy at work who uh, theorized that the Miami Dolphins actually have the Panthers, the Giants, and the Jets as their next three games, then a bye week, they could potentially be on like a four-game winning streak coming out of a bye with a chance to run after starting the season one and six. So, um, yeah, that if that's saying something that 
Miami Dolphins fans still think they have a chance to make the playoffs, then you know the AFC is, is going to be really cluttered near that seven seed. So something to keep an eye on. That's going to do it for me for the football fan cave. We're going to jump right into basketball storylines, a couple of big marquee matchups that happened last night that, Max, you caught a bit of. And uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing what you have to say with those games. Yeah, first coming back Wednesday night, a matchup we talked about, had our eyes on Golden State Warriors versus Brooklyn Nets, the number one team in the West versus the number two team in the East, and a team that in true ability and playoff potential, I think almost everyone would unanimously put ahead of the number one team at the moment, and probably in the number one spot. Anywho. I was able to catch the second half, which is where the game really opened up after a back and forth, fairly even quarter that saw the Warriors earn a little bit of momentum late. Uh, They went into the third quarter. And in our check-in, we talked about what great team play the Warriors putting on, and that was what won them the third quarter and won them the game. Um, They were so tight defensively. They held KD off all his field goal attempts held the Nets to just 28%. And they were able to generate a ton of easy open looks on their own offense off the fast break, I think for 12 points. Uh, Not a lot of three points in that effort. I think they went three of seven in that quarter. Curry getting one of those, uh, two of those three coming off the assist. The two pointers really the story of that quarter. They went 10 for 11 from under the arc and eight of those 10 came off the assist. So the ball movement, the defense, we talked about this team being uh, having really great success with their team play almost flawless early in a relatively easy strength of schedule. We wondered how it would hold up against a top team and against the Brooklyn Nets. And uh, that team play still was more than they could handle. A statement win from a team that, is back and you remember how exciting it was in the league when the warriors were operating at their peak powers um barclay center seemed to be cheering for steph curry more than their actual brooklyn nets team which was a little bizarre to see but how can you not cheer for the guy i don't know how can you not cheer for the guy though he just he makes your jaw drop at least once per game yeah. when he's on the floor. It's it's pretty ridiculous, and everyone gets caught up in the offensive potential of this team, but they do it on the defensive end right now, right? Yeah. And it's just so impressive early on from this team to really have it all come click together so quickly. I know in my dad's beer league team, when they're playing a ringer, a guy who has like OHL experience and just torches these beer gut 45 year, half year old, and they're like fifth, sixth lowest level division of play. Uh, when those guys go and score five goals, my dad's team will start cheering for them on the fourth goal, like banging their sticks on boards, like good job, buddy, like way to kill it. Yeah, that was kind of the vibe I got. As uh, they cheered stuff. I think you're giving that crowd too much credit. I don't think they're that loyal to the Brooklyn Nets. Yeah. In the fourth quarter, just Steph seemed flawless and from so deep. Uh, He put up nine points in both quarters. The team play was so on display in the third. In the fourth, the solo play of Steph stood out a bit more. And I think the crowd at that point down 30, what else can you do but cheer? Uh, Maybe I'm I'm giving them a bit too much credit, though. But the Warriors, with a big win over a top team, are going to remain atop most people's power 
rankings for now. A huge statement win, arguably their biggest so far into the season. Maybe not over as fierce competition, but just as big a win for the Bucks last night against the Lakers off a season high from Giannis. They take the win. Um, a really tight back and forth game ending with a score of 109 to 2, not a blowout by any stretch of the imagination. But Giannis has to be the main storyline of this game, dropping 47 points so damn efficiently. 18 for 23, three from four from three-point range, Owen, eight from 11 from the free-throw line. It Just every time he touched the ball, you felt so sure a basket was going to come, and he did such a great job mixing it up. Just an effortless 47 points, so such beautiful basketball to watch. Yeah, he's reaching like 2012 2013 lebron levels of dominance man where it's it's not just the pure athleticism that stands out but it's he's mastered the game like he knows every kind of possible scenario and outcome of possessions and can read it now like the IQ, the iq has caught up to the otherworldly frame and athletic tools that he has and the jump shots starting to stick the same way that lebron slowly worked on his jump shot throughout his career it's it's just freaky man just really scary to see what he can do and um he's one of those guys that obviously gives 100% every night but it's almost like he ratches it up to 110 when there's that uh comparable competitor right? We've seen it in the past and LeBron's a guy who does it as well. Whenever it needs to be proven, he always turns it on against like the Warriors against the Bucks when he's playing, when he's healthy. And, and Giannis looked across the, the court and said, they're comparing me to Anthony Davis, but I'm so much better than this guy. And he went out there and proved it. Like it, it, it didn't seem close last night between those two. Yes. Between the two of them, for sure. Not between the two teams though. Uh, the Lakers getting a pretty decent offensive bounce from Russell Westbrook with a season-high 15 assists. Davis, a pretty efficient 15-18 points, went 9 for 15, and Taylor Horton Tucker dropped 25. Behind that kind of production from those three, the remaining supporting players, Mello, Monk, um, you name the list as it goes on, able to get some good offense against a Bucks defense that didn't have Lopez to shore up the middle. Um, Middleton, definitely shaky. You saw him getting switched against Davis and not able to do less than he otherwise would have been able to do. On the offensive end, Holiday and uh, Middleton really inefficient for the Bucks. That's why it was so tight, despite Giannis's dominance. Uh, Connaughton, Portis, both picking up a nice fair share of the supporting load. So two teams in their depleted form uh, go neck and neck and ultimately Giannis is able to just, he's in his prime, right? Yeah. Like there's nothing, and there's nothing comparable to it. That was the difference there. Um, I, yeah, you can be as pessimistic or optimistic with this as you want. When you rate the teams off one another with the injuries they've both had to deal with, you can make an argument it's not too much of a feat but still feel like i saw some impressive things throughout the night that gives optimism and hope to both teams yeah Giannis is still only 26. man those three-point <laughs> shots they really go to what you're saying about iq 
he like picks up his dribble from behind the half court line. He comes in. He knows as he comes across the half court line when the defense is already thinking about what do we do in the paint. And that's when he has the time to pull up, stop, and take his shot in rhythm. That's the beginning of shot creation. And that's the start of Giannis having shot creation from beyond the arc, which maybe we see like a regular like 20 games with 40 point nights or something when he hits that level consistently yeah it's not out of the realm of possibility especially when the bucks go on the run we're all expecting them to go on yeah when you have middleton like lethal from the catch and shoot position um and Giannis has options like that with the three-point shot with the dribble in the paint and then the ball's so spaced with guys like lopez and portis on the floor this offense is just it's not going anywhere yeah yeah all righty that's it for basketball storylines last note i wanted to talk before uh, we wrap up the pod nice little short one for you today some awards announced in the MLB. The Blue Jays obviously had a lot of candidates in a lot of spots already. Some Silver Sluggers and Hank Aarons and Golden Gloves won by this team. Uh, but Robbie Ray winning the Cy Young Award, the fourth in Blue Jays franchise history. An incredible season for him. Very proud of that accomplishment. All it means for the Jays is that he is going to be far too expensive to pay, um, which means he's likely out the door, which is a bummer. Same with Marcus Semyon, who finished third in MVP voting behind his teammate Vladdy and the eventual unanimous winner, Shohei Otani, um, a guy that we watched all season do incredible things, not only as a hitter leading the league in home runs, but also as a pitcher. And the fact that someone's doing both of those instantly kind of makes him more valuable than any player on either side of the ball. Um Despite Vladdy having a much better all-around offensive season, you just have to give it to a guy who like affects winning in, in, in just a, another way that Vladdy can't possibly do. So a little disappointing uh, for Blue Jays fans for sure, but Vladdy, what, he's 21. He's going to have so many more years to add a couple of those to his collection. And um, it seemed like the committee was happy giving him the Hank Aaron award as that kind of second place trophy uh, to reward him for his brilliant offensive season. So shout out to Vladdy, shout out to Shohei. Um, looking forward to seeing them bring their teams to the playoffs next season, as opposed to just winning regular season awards. Yeah. What does that say about the sport of baseball? You have the all, MVP, all the six, number two, number three, Cy Young. In both leagues, all six MVP uh, finalists, neither none of their teams made the playoffs wow <laughs> truly a team and system sport yeah i guess so i mean look at who's won the world series past couple of years right uh the atlanta braves and the washington nationals two teams that came out of the nl east in the past three years not the like best team at end by any means but the team that got hot at the right time very much like hockey in a way uh so yeah interesting to see there Congrats to Otani, and that's going to wrap up the show for this one. I'm going to go catch a little bit of the Leafs game now as they take on the Rangers in a battle of relatively hot teams. The Leafs have won nine of their last 10, Max, and I feel like we're not savoring it enough, so I'm going to go enjoy a little bit of that. That's great to hear. 
I guess it's funny when we had our chat uh, that the last time I can really think about talking about the Leafs, I tried to dissuade you from some of your pessimism. And I haven't watched many Leafs games since. I It really, I expect them to get hot at times as they are now. I expect them to disappoint tremendously at times as we know they will. It's really just the playoffs that's the must-watch television at this point, but definitely got to catch some more to understand this team's system, identity, strengths, what to look for. You got to watch a little bit more Camp and Kasha, man. Those two are yeah. buddies from a young age, and Kasha brings the energy. He's really I found a home now. Yeah, first few games, for sure. Yeah, but especially recently. Like, a lot of energy, and the pucks started going in the net, and they're having a lot of fun. So that's yeah. what I, I got to go throw that on now. All right. You enjoy that. I don't know if I've told anyone on here to watch Prodigal Son, but don't. Don't you hate it when shows start off so promising and just like go down the toilet? Um, All right. My girlfriend might have something to say about that. So she likes it. I I believe. Well, I don't know. She I think she's watched it all the way through. We'll talk after we stop recording. Okay, sounds good. Uh, That's it for us. Thanks so much for listening, Max. Sports Next Door signing off. All right.